The following is a production of the PTB Soccer Podcast Network, the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast Network. The views expressed on the show are those of the host and solely of the host. For more information, follow the PTB Soccer Network on Instagram at PTB Soccer. That's on Instagram at PTB Soccer. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 70 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agustinho, back for another look at another Benfica match. That didn't mean much, let's be honest. No, um, this match had a lot of talking points. There's a lot more to talk about what happened off the pitch than what there was on the pitch, um, at least until you get to the 85th minute. Then there's some more to talk about. Uh, we got a goal-scoring race also within our team and within the league that's going to go down to the last week, so I'll talk a little bit about that as we go through the match here tonight. Um, it is, of course... Desportivo das Aves, nil. Benfica 4 is what we're talking about tonight. Round 33 of the Liga Nages. We are almost at the finish line of this incredibly long and incredibly disappointing Liga Nage season. That's right. We're almost, I think, yeah, we're, we're going on an entire calendar year uh, this season. By the time we get to the cup final on August the 1st, I think that... We will have gone through an entire calendar year. Um, Podcasting-wise, we are past the calendar year point. Um, in fact, it was about one year ago today, if I'm not mistaken, that I put out one of at least one of the three uh, Benfica in the USA podcasts where we reviewed the three preseason matches here in the United States. So that's where we are um, in terms of the calendar, even though it doesn't seem that way. Uh, because Benfica are playing regular league matches, and um, it, it, it's mid, it's late July, and we're still playing football, and we're still finishing the previous season at a time when we're already kind of counting our uh, counting our our players and hedging our bets for the upcoming season. But we're a long way from that. But there's still plenty more to talk about this season here on Mister Benfica. We got the the derby coming up this weekend then we have the cup final the following weekend then we still have we we still have the UEFA Youth League in August and before I sign off for the season and if there is any downtime I will take some downtime I don't think there is any to be honest I think the new season's going to start up pretty quickly but if before we call this a season before season 2 of Mr. Benfica um, comes to an end, we're going to look back at the 88-89 season. Why that season? Because that is the season that Sven Joran Eriksson returns to Benfica. Okay, I'm led to believe that is the most successful um, the most successful return of a previous manager 
to Benfica. We're going to look at that and we're going to see and hope that JJ can do the same when he takes over. I believe on August the 8th is his first day in charge of of the team. Actually, I believe he takes charge on August the 3rd and I think the first the preseason, the first training begins already on August the 8th, if I'm not mistaken, if I read it right. All right, we're going to take a quick break, pay a bill here, and then we're going to get right into the news. And following the news, as you know, we're going to get into this match. There's a lot to talk about again, uh, most of it off the field, but um, not something we've really talked about before here on Mr. Benfica. So I'm looking forward to this episode, and I hope everyone is staying well and staying safe as we keep moving through this these summer months here in the Northern Hemisphere, at least. All right, we'll be right back after this word. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica, episode 70. You can follow me on Twitter at BenficaMister, on Instagram at MrBenfica, on Facebook by typing www.facebook.com forward slash MrBenfica. And of course, don't forget www.MrBenfica.com. And you can also check out Mr. Benfica on YouTube. Just search Mr. Benfica. All right, in the news this week, we're going to start off with what else? But. Georges Jesus, JJ News. Okay, so the first order of news today is Flamengo team doctor Marcio Tenur is the only element of JJ's staff that has opted to stay in Brazil and not join Benfica. So JJ wanted to bring Flamengo's team doctor with him. Um, given Benfica's injury history and how long it seems to take our players to recover from injuries, and how it seems to take them longer than any other club. A new team doctor would have been great, but um, Dr. Marcio Tenor is has decided to stay in Brazil with Flamengo. And, he, and I think a big reason for that is that also based in Brazil, he is also the UFC's doctor, official doctor in Brazil. And he actually was... was um, not even in Brazil, he, he released this statement via his social media that he'd be staying with Flamengo, and he re- re- he released it from Fight Island, as it's called, um, an island uh, in Abu Dhabi that the UFC have has re- recently purchased for their international fights where they can stage international fights without having to deal with any travel restrictions to and from the United States. Um, so I think... I think Dr. Tenor's role in with the UFC, the uh, Ultimate Fighting Championships, is also a reason for him to stay in Brazil as they run events out of Brazil regularly. And if he's based in Lisbon, he most likely could not keep that position. And staying on JJ, not all fans are pleased um, are as pleased with Benfica as some others as the team arrived home late last night, early this morning, or I should say early Thursday morning at the wee hours. Um, they arrived home from Avj, from their match at Avj, the one we're going to talk about in this episode today. And they were greeted by large banners at the Rotunda at the Stadio de Luz. And they were they were giving very anti-Vieta and anti-JJ messages. Two in particular uh, made the news in Portugal. One of them read, and this is translated, but it read, In 1907, eight went there, and they're, they're, they are referring to Sporting, and didn't return. Today, with no pride, Judas returned. Cosme, which they're alluding to, Benfica's founder, Cosme Damião, do you see what the, what this club has turned into? 
Okay, that's more or less what what the message was in Portuguese. Um, that's the translated, the best translation I could come up with. Um, and what that's alluding to is in 1907, Benfica lost eight players to Sporting when Sporting um, offered things like running water, hot water, sh hot water um, showers, uh, grass pitches, things like that in 1907, which Benfica could not keep, could not compete with, and um, eight players went to Sporting and what this message is that they never returned they were they were seen as traitors and these fans that that unveiled this banner obviously still see Jorzuz as a traitor um <laughs> funny that they they mentioned Kajmu Damian's name and do you see what's happening now this is an incredibly ignorant statement and I'm I'm sorry if someone agrees with this sentiment. That's fine. You can you can agree that that Benfica it's sad that Benfica went to get him back. I can accept you you feeling that way. Um again, I believe this this signing was more politically motivated than any other reason. This is the president trying to get reelected. However, there's a big difference between the eight that went to Sporting in, in 1907. Those eight went under their free will. They were not fired. They were not sent away. They were not given offers that were insulting. And, you know, essentially, they were not pushed out the door. George Azuz was pushed out the door. I'm not the only one saying this. I've listened to all the shows. There's plenty of conversations going on. Most people understand now that he did not leave under his own accord. He was pushed out. Luis Felipe Vieira, in a way to make himself look better, pushed him out, knowing that the neighbor was going to make a ridiculous offer, which they did, and knowing he was going to accept that. He knew that the fans would turn on JJ and not on him. Uh, that was a very, very calculated move by Luis Felipe Vieira. And clearly some of these fans still falling for it to this day. Even if they despise Luis Felipe Vieira, they still fell for that move. They still think JJ... <laughs> they still think he betrayed Benfica, which did not happen. He was pushed out. Now, you may not like that he went to Sporting, but what would you do if you were fired after being, or if you were, you know, insulted with an incredibly low offer and told to take a pay cut after winning two championships in a row? And then the the noisy neighbor, the, the arch rival, which is a club you support. Let's not get around it. Georges Zouge is a Sporting supporter. He's a Sporting East. He was born that way. You know what? You don't have to be a Benfica to be a great manager and to, to take Benfica to unprecedented levels. And JJ is one of the best in the history of this club. And for the six years he was in charge of this club, okay, his Sporting Gijmu never got in the way. And if he still feels that to this day, that's his that's his prerogative. Okay, he also had quite the experience there. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe some of that is no longer there. But that, you know, the fact that he went there, where else was he going to go? Honestly, where was he going to? What was he, you would turn down that offer that Sporting put in front of him for an, an incredible amount of money? I highly doubt that. Anyone who who thinks that highly of themselves is a little bit naive, most likely. But um, anyway, on to the other message it said, and this is also translated, of course. It says democracy values and mystique thrown out onto the street of bitterness. Here is the Benfica power structure, and that that one is is directed to obviously directly at Luis Fiera and the people around him. I have less of an issue with that one. Um, moving away from the first team for now, 
the U19s are back in training and they're back at full training as they are preparing for next month's UEFA Youth League Elite 8. Okay, so they will be traveling to Neon, Switzerland to take part in the UEFA Youth League Elite 8. First up is a quarterfinal against Dinamo Zagreb. Spanish club Alaves have confirmed that Fasia is returning to Benfica now that his loan has finished. Also, Espanyol have announced that uh, Facundo Chucky Ferreira is also going to be returning to Benfica as they cannot they cannot continue the loan nor can they afford to re-sign him now that they have been relegated to La Liga B. In futsal news, it's another Benfica player leaving, as we've heard a lot of this this summer, but this time it is Brazilian international target man Fernando Drassler, 32 years old. He, it was announced by the club that he is leaving the club and that he will not be returning for the 2020-2021 season. Men's volleyball, however, has a little bit better news. as They have confirmed that their Brazilian star, Zelão, has signed a one-year extension. This will be his 12th consecutive season at Benfica. Now let's go around Liga Nage for round 33. That's the penultimate round of the championship. Of course, the champ- the title's already been decided, but there is still a race going on for Europe and relegation. So we got started on July the 18th with Rio Ave 2, Santa Clara 2 in Vila do Conde. Later that day, Family Count 2, Boa Vista 2. So nothing changes in the fight for 5th place between Rio Ave and Family Count. Neither one could take advantage of the other team's slip-up. On July the 19th, we had Bolinish Sad 1, Gil Vicente nil at the City of Football. Bolinish Sad pretty much has guaranteed their safety now at this point. Um, later that day, Vitori Guimarães at the Dom Alphonse Enrique, 1-0 winners over Maritimo. July the 20th, we had, this was Monday, Passage de Ferreira 2, Portimonense 1. I was cheering this result because I want to see Portimonense in the second division. And the fact that they're likely going to win by forfeit in round 34, um, this was huge for Passage de Ferreira to get this victory and save themselves in the meantime. Also in the relegation battle and pulling a massive victory is Tondela once again. At the João Cardoso Stadium, Tondela won Braga nil. Tondela takes a big step towards their own safety. And of course, on the night of the trophy presentation, blah, football club, the Port 6, Marinus 1, yeah, whatever. And then July 21st, yesterday, Sporting nil. Vitoria Stubal won. Stubal keeps them, gives themselves a chance with a win on the final day to guarantee. Um, to guarantee that they will stay in the Liga Nage, they will stay in the first division and not be relegated. They earned, with this very big result on the road at Sporting, they earned the ability to go into the final game and have their, to have their future in their own hands. And, of course, the match that we're talking about in this episode closes out round 33. It is Avj Nil Benfica 4. All right, that's it for the news this week. On the other side, we're going to start to talk about this match, which was quite the telenovela. We've seen a lot of telenovelas lately in Portuguese football, and this was another one. Um, 
on the other side of Reconquista here, you are going to hear from the president of Desportivo das Aves, not anyone from the SAD. I'll explain on the other side. Okay, there's a difference. But this is the president. This is not the bad guy. This is the president of the club. And after Reconquista, you're going to hear his words after the, from the end of the match and what it meant to him that this, this match even happened. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho, and we'll be right back. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Quem não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Carrega sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo E portanto, eh, estou preparado para continuar a lutar. Senão... That was Avs president Antonio Freitas um, speaking to the media as he was leaving the stadium last night or Tuesday night, depending when you're listening to this. Um, he's being he was asked about the situation at Avs, which I'm going to get into in a moment. Um, what he said there was that today. Our cl- today, our players, he's talking about his players, the Irish players, saved Portuguese football from an absolute embarrassment. Not a club embarrassment, but a national one. And he goes on to say that he's going to continue to fight because he's a fighter. And what he's talking about is the fact that this match nearly did not get played, okay? Um, depending how much you do or do not understand of Portuguese or read Portuguese, uh, you may not be as informed on what's going on here with Avj's situation, but Avj has been losing players almost daily. Okay, their roster players have been rescinding their contracts under just cause. 
because they have not been paid. I think some have not been paid in something like six months. Which, who would go to work if you hadn't been paid in six months? I know I wouldn't. I would not be at my job <laughs> at all if I hadn't been paid in that kind of a a time. Um, they talked a little bit about this on BTV after the match, and I watched it. So um, The match kicks off with, with a little bit of a protest, and the Benfica players go along with it, as did the referee as he timed it out. And... Basically, Sportive de Zavs refuses to play in the first minute of the match. They stand still um, while the bench stands in solidarity, arm-in-arm arm with each other. And Benfica just agree to pass the ball around in their half of the field and not go forward with it. For the first minute, the referee um, informs them when a minute's up, and everyone applauds. That is a message to the Saad. Okay, so here's the problem at Avs. There's two bodies that run football in Portugal. Or the way Portuguese clubs are set up, there are two bodies. Now, most clubs in their structure are amateur in nature. And what I mean by that, and they're democratic in nature. Most clubs are, or I should say all clubs, are member clubs first. Okay, Benfica included. From Benfica all the way down to the smallest club in the smallest aldeia, the smallest bairro in Portugal. Okay. Um, these clubs are all run like what they call sociedades, or societies, if you will. They all have membership, okay? And the membership votes democratically on the actions of the club, okay? However, in Portuguese football, to be professional, to, be, to play in the professional leagues, you have to establish what they call a SAD. SAD is an acronym for a Sociedad Autónoma Desportiva. In English, it's, an, it's a society of autonomous, it's a sports autonomous society, if you will. So it's a body that is autonomous in dealing with sport. Okay, so it's like a business. It incorporates this amateur club into a professional business. That's what the SAD is, essentially, and it is a group of investors. Now, a lot of clubs have gotten into a lot of trouble by ceding too much power to their SADs. Now, in Befica, that's not the case. The members still have more power than the SAD. However, smaller clubs and and Unfortunately, Avs is just the latest, but we've seen clubs completely disappear. They'll be in the first division one year, and they'll be in the district, you know, in the amateur fifth-tier district league the next. Most notable is Bulanis. Now, you hear me whenever we play them. I don't refer to them as Bulanis. I refer to them as Bulanis Sad, B-Sad, or Code City, right? Code City Blues. Why? Because this Sad, okay, is now the majority owner of of Bolognese, or at least there was a separation, in Bolognese's case, there was a separation between the club, Club Football, Uj Bolognese's, okay, there was a separation from them and the SAD, the, 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 the Sociedad Autonoma Desportiva, the, the, the investors, so the members and the investors divorced, essentially, Bolognese's members voted to go back to the amateur ranks and start at the beginning. Bolognese Assad's members say they can't do that, say that they own they own the brand and that they are the ones funding it and they're not giving up their place in the first division. So what happens is Bolognese Assad is in the rare situation where they stayed in the first division and the investors are running the team. They are not a club. They are simply a team in the first division and a B team. And I think that is the only thing that the Assad is in charge of. Now, the Saad runs specifically men's football. 
And I say men's football because there's a lot of misinformation out there. For example, with Benfica signing Georges Zouge to 4 million euros per year or whatever, and a correlation to a bunch of basketball, futsal, hockey, uh, track and field st- athletes leaving the club, there and women's football especially. And every time a player re- leaves Benfica from one of the other sports, one of the other modalities, there is somebody saying that this is to pay for Zazouche. No, there are two budgets. The club has a budget that funds all of the other sports, okay? The members club, okay? They fund women's football. Their budget comes out of the club. It does not come out of the SAD. Men's football's budget comes out of the SAD. It is men's football and I believe the B team and the under-23s come out of the SAD's budget. The women's football team does not. It comes out of the members' budget. Okay, so they are two different budgets. They are unrelated. Now, here at Absh, and this is something I fear is going to happen to Family Count somewhere down the line. Absh's members voted at some point to cede power over to the SAD. Why they wanted more investment. They wanted to be competitive. Okay, I believe at the time they were in the second division. And they voted and approved to of a transfer of power, if you will, or a selling of of shares. Think if you think of it as a publicly traded company, which it, it, it is in a sense. Um, the SAD once they get more than fifty one percent, once they get fifty one percent or more of the ownership of the club, away, meaning that they're now the majority owner and not the the members. They have a lot more power. So what do they do? They spend more. Okay, these are people that have money. They start spending. Avj starts spending. Two years ago, they won the Portuguese Cup. And this is, I will never forget that year because in the semifinals, they took out my my little city team. They took out Kaldish, the team from my father's city that I support, okay, that plays in the third level of Portuguese football. That is an amateur team with the smallest budget in one of the smallest budgets in all of the third division, okay, lost two Avs in the semifinals in extra time, okay, and Avs went on to beat Sporting in the final and win that cup. It's 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 things like that that Avs, you know, that's that fans are looking for when they cede power over to to Asad. Okay, this happened to other other clubs in the past. Estrela Amadora just uh, voted to do this last week. They were playing in the at the district level because they did this years ago and it didn't go well and they folded. Now that they've got things going again, they have fused with another sad. Now, Betamar is a club that used to be in the first division, now plays in the third division. Same thing. They had to the sad stopped funding the pro the project and the team had to return to the amateur ranks. Union Leiria, same thing in the you know in the uh, I think it was in the early 2000s. Same thing happened. In fact, Union Leiria, it was so embarrassing that they had no money. They went to their final matches of the season and fielded only eight players in order to not forfeit and not get more fines and have you know harsher penalties. So, Avj is at that point right now. They've ceded power, and now the investors are not putting any more money in. They're saying they no longer have any money. Okay, players have not been paid for months. Okay, worst of all, here is there. We found out yesterday that these players' health insurance has been canceled. 
because their employer has not paid into their plan. Obviously, that's what happens. Okay? Um, and this is an embarrassment to football in Portugal. This is a professional team being run like amateurs. This sounds like teams I have spent a lot of my time, invested a lot of my time in my career and come out with nothing. Okay? I've been in this very, very situation. The difference was we were amateur. Nobody was expecting a paycheck. Our investors couldn't even put us on the pi on the pitch anymore. Whether I was playing or or I was, you know, on the staff, um, we couldn't even feel the team anymore. Okay, the money ran dry. This should not happen when you are playing in the first division and you are getting TV money from Naj. Now they're gonna blame that. Uh, and, and I think investors are, are using COVID as a chance to get out of football because they don't know when they're going to make this money back, okay? And having to play Benfica at an empty stadium absolutely destroys any of these small clubs' budgets. They make their money when Benfica come to town and they jack up the prices, okay? Um, so, Antonio Rola, the usually the referee... Um, expert on BTV says after the game that it's people like these investors that ruin football, seeing it as a money-making opportunity or a toy, and when things don't go their way or they've lost enough money, they just get out and they ruin the lives of these players. And and Rogério Matias, also of BTV, who's a former professional, reminds us that professional players, the majority of them are not millionaires. I hit a level as an assistant coach where you could have called me a professional. I'm still waiting for my first paycheck from quote-unquote professional football, okay? I'm still waiting for it. I'm still yet to earn a dime in, in quote-unquote professional football. Now, most of them have it better than that, but um, I know what it's like also to, to wor work in this sense and to be a part of a team waiting for a paycheck that never shows up, okay? And that's why any player that rescinds his contract is well within his rights and should do so, especially if he has a family that is relying on that. He should be free to go sign with somebody else that will pay his wages. And I did note here, so players' health insurance had been canceled. Many times players arrived for training only to be locked out. And actually yesterday, the players had their transportation was not even provided to this match, okay? So, the team bus, and in Portugal, at the first division level at least, teams bus to home games. Yes, they, they, they stay in a hotel overnight, the night before, and they bus to home games. The keys went missing to Avsh's team bus. This is, I'm not making this up. Now, obviously, they didn't go missing. They got hidden somewhere because somebody... Wanted this match to not be played. One of uh, somebody in the sad. Okay, the man you heard at the top of the segment is the president of the club. He is not a part of the sad. He is fighting the sad. He's fighting tooth and nail to keep this club alive and to keep this small town Villa de Zavge with a football team to support in their town. Okay, this is a very small town. Now. So the players had to drive themselves. They had to find their own transportation to the match. That doesn't sound like 
to some, depending where in the world you 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 live and where you may have played football, that may not sound like a big deal. Here in, in the United States, even in Major League Soccer, a lot of players drive to home games. Okay, They take their own car to home matches. They show up a couple hours before the match. The, the Portuguese way uh, of putting the entire team in a hotel the night before a home game is not common in Major League Soccer, okay? Probably because of the enormous travel budget that uh, the the clubs have because they have to fly to every away match, whereas in Portugal you don't. However, these players had to get themselves from the hotel, I believe, to the match on their own, okay? Also, it has been reported that the Portuguese Cup that Avs won in 2018 has gone missing. Obviously, it's not missing. It's put away somewhere. Who knows? It may have even been sold. Who knows where that cup went, where that trophy went. Basically, it seems like somebody's trying to move out and take all their stuff with them. Um, almost like they're trying to fold the club and get it out of their hands. And it, it's sad. And I think what we're going to end up seeing, unfortunately... And um, now that I am more aware of the situation, I'm pretty sure we're going to see this team demoted all the way back to the the districts, okay, to the amateur ranks. I believe they're in the district of Braga is where they is the district they belong to, and they will have to start at the bottom. I don't believe that they're going to be fielding a professional team in the second division next year. They're already relegated. I have no idea why Nuno Manta left Maritimu to go join this team in the middle of the season when they were already in last place, and he was he was fighting relegation himself at Maritimu, and he was under the hot seat, but I don't understand why he, he left on his own like that. Um... So under all that, the match finally gets played. And after the first <laughs> first minute of not playing, three minutes later, we get this. So that's Rafa netting his seventh goal of the season on an assist from Peasy. Peasy with a nice ball over the top onto Rafa's run, right onto the chest, and then he walks in one on one with the goalkeeper. And puts Benfica on the board four minutes in. And I suppose I should probably go over the lineups now as I left that out while I was going down the the background in the the, the, the off-the-pitch stories of this match. So I'll start with the hosts. Uh, Avj in goal. Dimitar Shaitanov is in goal. Um, the Five across the back. On the right, it's Jailson. Three in the center. Brun Muraj, Omar Diakate. And Ricardo Mangas is oh, Afonso is the left back three in midfield. Zidane Banjuqui down the right. Ruben Oliveira in the middle and Reco Silva in the left. And two forwards, twin strikers. 
Marius Mohamidji and Pedro Suarez for Benfica. Uh, a change, a surprising change is um, Milar Svilar gets his first start of the season uh, in goal in place of Odi Vlacodimos. Uh, Nelson Verissimo deciding to give the kid, the young goalkeeper, a, a rare start. Um, he's probably leaving the club in the offseason, at least on loan. Because he needs minutes. He's had a good season, or a decent season, I should say, in the B team. Um, he had changed his, his views on being in the B team um, this season. And perhaps some say this was a reward. I, I don't like this, and I'm going to tell you why. We have a cup final to play in two weeks. And I this match was already going to be hard enough to motivate players for, given everything that was going on. We were already going to be you know, with our foot off the gas to begin with. You put in the backup goalkeeper. I understand you're 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 giving it to him as a gesture, but it tells everyone else to, to that this is an easy game. That this is, um, like they say, mercar calendario, to to play out the schedule, to play out the calendar. Um, Benfica needs to find their form. They need they don't need to to start playing players that are not going to be part of the team come August the 1st um August the 1st in Coimbra at the cup final okay so i don't like this decision and it's nothing against the goalkeeper i just don't like the idea of starting to to move around players even if it's just the goalkeeper you're sending a message to everyone else and it show this match was 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 played at at a snail's pace okay well, if you could did some things well, that's fine. And the other team did the best they could to just show up. Listen, we didn't even we're playing the last place team, and we didn't even play their first choice players. We're playing whatever guys they could get on the pitch. Okay, four across the back under Almeida, Ruben Dias, Jardel, and Nuno Tavares. Four in midfield. It's Pizzi on the right. Return of Florentino Luiz to the starting lineup. All these months later, he's in place of the suspended Ulian Weigel. Gabriel is back in the midfield, as is uh, Rafa Silva playing on the left in place of Franco Cervi. And up front, it's Chiquinho once again partnering with Carlos Vinicius. And really, there's not much else to talk about in the first half. We got a goal. We we went through the motions. We played it out. Um, and the referee blew a whistle for halftime. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. There's a little bit more to talk about in the second half, and we will do that on the other side of this break here on Mr. Benfica. This is episode 70, and I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica. Let's get into the second half now. As Benfica do not make any substitutions. Neither team makes any substitutions here at halftime. As we move forward about four minutes and it gets started early. It is Chiquinho in the area trying to flip the ball up. And it catches Bruno Muraj on the arm. It goes to VAR. It is reviewed and it is upheld. 
And the referee points to the spot for a penalty kick and a yellow card to Bruno Moraes. And now this is something, maybe I'm starting a little bit of controversy here. Maybe I'm not. Now, we all know that Carlos Vinicius and Pizzi come into this match tied on goals. Unless you watch BTV. If you watch BTV, they're going to tell you Carlos Vinicius has 18 goals. I have scoured the internet high and wide, everywhere. Any goal-scoring <laughs> chart I can find, any list of Portuguese League goal scorers shows Carlos Vinicius with 17 goals. BTV continues to insist week after week that he has one more goal than he does. And I remember why. There was a match where he had scored what we thought was a hat trick. And I remember being disagreeing with the league's ruling that one of his three goals was ruled an own goal. I don't remember who it was against, but I remember the match. It seems like BTV never fixed their tally, or who knows what they're doing. Maybe they're that lazy. I don't know. But they continue to say that that Carlos Vinicius has 18 goals, and here they're saying that PZ is going to step up and take this penalty kick to get his 18th and tie with... Carlos Vinicius. Carlos Vinicius knows otherwise, and you can see there was some people that tweet and they said that there was a look on Carlos Vinicius's face. He didn't like the fact that PZ stepped up to take this penalty kick. Now, had this game meant anything at all in the table for either team, which it does not, obviously PZ is your normal penalty taker. He takes the penalty. However, PZ, as leader of this team, okay, and I'm sure not all of you are going to agree with me on this, but where I've come from and, you know, the benches I've sat on or the teams I've played in, um, when you're competing with a teammate for a goal-scoring title, it's a, it's an awkward thing, right? And for the most part, I don't think it's really entering into their minds too much until you get to these later stages and there's nothing else to play for. I think PZ should have handed the ball to somebody else to take this penalty kick. Because if he ends up winning a golden boot on this, you know, it's a little bit of a sour note for his teammate, who I think deserves the golden boot more than he does. Carlos Vinicius has an incredible, still incredibly, one goal every 103 minutes he plays. That's almost a goal a match. Okay? And it looks like now he's, not to mention you have Pedrinho from Braga also with 17 goals. So PZ steps up. All right, and here's what it sounded like on Antenna U. So it's PZ from the spot making it 2-0 to Benfica here in the 50th minute. And again, like I said, I, I'm not sure how I feel about him taking this penalty. 
I should be happy that a Benfica player is leading the league in scoring. I should be happy that uh, we could potentially have the first Portuguese player win the golden boot or the ball of prata, the silver ball, as they call it in Portugal, for the first time since. And I'm going to correct. I'm going to correct whoever I forget what media put this out and said that since Fernando Gomes in in like the 80s. No, no, no. Simon Sabrosa won a golden boot with Benfica. He tied with somebody, but he he won. He was the winner of the Bola de Prata. Simon Sabrosa was the top scorer in the league along with another player. Okay. Um, Simon Sabrosa very much is Portuguese and he was a Benfica player. Okay. So, PZ has the chance to be the first Portuguese player since Simo to finish as top scorer. Let's say to finish as top scorer, if not necessarily to, say, winning the silver ball. Perhaps Simon lost out on some kind of tiebreaker. Um, Simon used to take penalties. If that was the tiebreaker back then, then, yeah, he would he would lose out. As PZ would lose out here, from what I understand, if Carlos Vinicius can get a goal on Saturday against Sporting and if they both finish with 18 because... PZ has penalty goals, and Carlos Vinicius has none. All his goals come from open play. I believe he would win the tiebreaker. But I, I should feel happy, but I don't. I can't get past what's transpired this season, and I can't help but t- to feel some hostility or just... I've, I was a big PZ fan at one time. I, I stuck up for him in a lot of arguments online and whatever, or or at a local Portuguese club, whatever. I, I've stuck up for him in the past, and this year I feel like that loyalty was betrayed by the way that this team collapsed and by his lack of ability to hold it together as one of the leaders in the team. So I don't like the idea of him winning uh, the silver ball and he'll probably he could even win the golden ball this year. He could be the player of the year because he leads in goals and assists right now. Statistically, he's had a good season. But in the immeasurables, you know, he really I feel like he's really let the club down this year. Maybe I'm just being too harsh on PZ. I've said in the past that I think he gets a bad rap for um I for expectation wise, I feel like a lot of people um don't realize that he is a limited player that at for stretches of seasons can play above himself and and yeah, I don't know if you heard that thunder in the background but that was quite the bolt of lightning I just saw in here um and and what happens is people expect him to play above himself all the time and he's just not that level of player so sometimes I feel like too much gets expected of him but in terms of you know, leadership within the team in terms of being that the locker room guy. He's one of the veterans in this team. I ex- I do expect more from PZ, but he scores his 18th. He goes ahead in the goal-scoring race. Unless, of course, you ask BTV, then they're going to tell you that. They are tied, and we get a substitution in the 63rd, and Nelson Verissimo is, is, is like old faithful at Yosemite National Park here in the United States. The geyser that goes off all the time. Yep, 63 minutes, time to make a substitution. I'll let you guys guess at home because you already know. You didn't have to watch the game to know that in the 60th minute or thereabouts that Seferovic was going to replace Carlos Vinicius. This really ticks me off. 
You just gave Pizzi the penalty kick to go ahead, and now you're pulling Vinicius off the field. What has Seferovic done to deserve these automatic minutes every match? He looks like a fool coming out in silver hair, first of all. I think it's supposed to be bleached blonde, and it's like white. Seferovic replaces Vinicius. I don't like this at all, okay? And I don't think that Nelson Vinicius was the one calling the shot. I think he's being dictated to just like Bruno Lage was because this makes no sense. Why would you make this substitution in this game when you have a player going for the goal-scoring title? Why are you going to benefit one and not the other when you have two players going for it? Diego Souza also comes on and replaces Chiquinho in the same stoppage. Also, Avj go to the bench as José Varela replaces uh, Afonso Figueiredo. And Claudio Tavares replaces Jailson. Also, Torre replaces Marius Mohamidji. So, th- fi- a total of five players came onto the field in that stoppage. Welcome to fo- football post-COVID. And again, this match was played very slow. This was like a match that people were playing to not get hurt, obviously. They were playing to... And I don't like that from Befica. I think Befica needs to put the... I know that the other team is in a situation, but I agree with the guys at at uh, Benfica FM. Um, I listened to them this morning. And I agree that the best way to respect the situation is to take this match seriously. And there should have been seven, eight, nine goals scored by Benfica against this side. But Benfica are just too soft. Bayern Munich would have scored 15 goals in this match if they faced a team in these situations. Bayern Munich do not take their foot off the pedal for anybody. Benfica, as soon as they have a chance to ease off, that's what they do. They take it easy. These guys these guys got a rude awakening when JJ comes in. You would think they'd be playing like crazy trying to impress the new manager. They think they're going to get a chance to impress him in a three-week preseason or whatever they're going to have this year? I think it's it's incredibly it's a, it's a clear lack of character that we've seen in this team all season and that's why a lot of these pieces need to be changed. A lot of these players need to be moved out. The elements in the locker room that are leading this team need to be changed or to be reduced. And we need real leaders to come into this team because this is a clear sign of it. Anyway, I'm going to fast forward to the 85th minute where actually 77th we got a substitution also. And Jota gets a few extra minutes this week. Uh, rather than coming in in the 87th, Verissimo sends him on in the 77th, giving him, you know, some about 15 minutes or so to show himself. Uh, he replaces Rafa Silva. And then a substitution in the 78th for Avj. They make another double substitution. Eric Vega replaces Pedro Suarez. And Bruninho replaces Zidane Ban- Bancui. And the one I'm trying to get to. Okay, we get another Samadhi sighting in the 84th minute. He replaces Gabriel. And then in the 86th, it is the debut of 19-year-old Gonzalo Ramos from the B team from the U19s. And it's good for him to get a run out as he's still got football to play after this weekend. He's going to be featured in the UEFA Youth League uh, Elite 8 later next month. But Gonzalo Ramos comes on for PZ, and it does not take time from his very first touch. It's a free kick 
down the left side, and it is another youngster, Nuno Tavares, whipping in the cross on the free, on the set piece. And again, here's what it sounded like on air tip. Excuse me, on antenna um. So with his first touch as a senior player, or at least a first-team player, it is 19-year-old Gonçalo Ramos with <laughs> with a great bit of skill as the ball is whipping in. He manages to get up in the air and to get it off of the side of his foot near his heel and to put it right right where the goalkeeper cannot reach it. A brilliant goal for the young kid. And Befica are now ahead 3-0. And if you thought the kid was done, he wasn't. 90th minute plus 2. Dá bola para Diego Souza, ainda Diego Souza, solta-se de Diakite, dá para Gonçalo Ramos, vai atirar, golo! Imaginem, imaginem, Gonçalo Ramos, voltam a palpitar os corações encarnados, de esperança pelo futuro desta pérola. It was a nice pass from Diego Souza onto a nice run from young Gonzalo Ramos, and he buries it in the roof of the goal. Goalkeeper has absolutely no chance right on top of the full-time whistle. And in six minutes of play, Gonzalo Ramos scores two goals, which I'm going to add are the exact same as how many <laughs> the Fabios at Porto. Well, it's the exact same as one Fabio at Porto. Um, who took the penalty kick the other day. As Fa that Fabio had two goals for Porto this season in about 190 minutes, one of them from the penalty spot. And our old, our old youth player there, Fabio Silva, had one goal this season. So in six minutes, our youth player scored <laughs> a goal per three minutes. In six minutes, he gets two goals. Nice little debut, nice little... Um, showcase for himself um, and you know what I like about it is he is saying hey George Zuz I'm here I can do this he's saying give me a chance alright we I don't know how much of the preseason he's gonna factor in because he will be going to the UEFA Youth League finals of course the Elite Eight um, but he's definitely made a case to be considered next season um and he showed, you know, maybe we should have called this kid in before. I know you're, he's playing against Avj, and it's a depleted Avj. Um, this is the equivalent of at least a second division team, if not lower. But 
he does strike the ball well. And our strikers had a lot of trouble with that this season. <sighs> well, the referee blows his whistle for full time at 90 plus 3. Puts Avj out of their misery. And now Avj have one match left to play to try to field the team. So that they do not gift Portimonense three points. And in hopes that they do not relegate somebody else as a result of that. Let's go to the goal point and go over the stats and the ratings really quickly. Starting with Avs, the home team. The goalkeeper, Sheyatanov, had a 6.9. He was their top-rated uh, player um, in the match. So, as is usual for Benfica, um, the other team's goalkeeper puts on another good performance. And it, he, he did well to prevent a much worse result. Uh, Jailson was a 4.6. Diacante has 4.6 as well. Bruno Mourage 4.2. Afonso 5.4. Banjaqui 5.7. Pedro Suarez 4.9. Ruben Oliveira 4.1. Reco Silva 5.4. And Mungaj 5.3. Up front, Marius was a 4.9. Off the bench, Varela 4.1, Tavaj 5.1, and Torre 4.8. Vega and Bruninho did not get a rating. For Benfica, Svilar stepping in in goal and getting a 6.1 rating. Made a few nice saves, looked okay. Um, didn't have much work, but he, he came out and got a few balls. He, he was talking, he was directing traffic in front of him. Looks like he's improved. Andre Almeida 5.8, Ruben Dias 6.8, Jardel 6.0, Nuntavar 6.5, Rafa 7.7, Gabriel 6.0, Florentino 5.9, and Pizzi, man of the match performance according to goal point with a 7.9, Chiquinho 5.0, Carlos Vinicius 5.3. Let's look at the, of course, in the statistics, Benfica had 3.8 expected goals, so they scored four. Basically, they scored when they should have. Um, Avj had a 0.3 expected goals. Looking at the heat, if you go to www.goalpoint.pt and you pull up the Benfica Avj match, you'll see for their man of the, their MVP rating, uh, PZ is the winner. He ends up with one goal. He had six shots, two of them on goal and an assist. Um, three. Three passes for shots. He had one cross that was <laughs> that was completed, and he had an 85% pass efficiency. His heat map is interesting. It's mostly on the right side, in the just at the at the midfield line on each side of the midfield line, and then he's got a hot spot at the penalty spot, which is funny. And then we got the game stats. So sh total shots, Avj had 9, Befica 19. Shots on goal, Avj had 2, Befica 11 on goal again. Um, hence why, ref why goalkeepers get such high ratings against Befica. Shots inside the area, Avj had 3, Befica 15 shots taken from inside the area. Pass efficiency for Obj was 77% to Benfica's 87%. Vertical pass efficiency, 57 for Obj, 73% for Benfica. Duels won. Obj actually won this battle, which would make you think that Obj, this this makeshift Obj side outworked our Benfica. That, that causes concern for me. But like I said, 
This team is just, anytime they have a chance to ease up, they love to ease up. 47 duels won for Avj, 45 for Benfica. Fouls committed. This is another glaring um, thing that Benfica should not have committed 22 fouls against this team, but they did. Avj committed 12. Benfica, six corners to Avj's one. 64% possession for Benfica. Now, the last couple of weeks, I have forgotten to do this, so let's go to the Liga Nage and look at the table and the top goal scorers starting here as I got the Liga Nage up now and we're in the table as you know Football Club de Porto out of the champions oh it still pains me to say it they got 82 points everyone has played 33 matches at this point Benfica eight an astounding 8 points back 74 um, Sporting are third, and now they, I believe, are safe in third. Um, I believe they've locked it up as they have 60 points. Braga are fourth with 57. Now the interesting bit here is for that fifth place, which we know will be a Europa League spot this year because Benfica and Porto are in the cup final, so neither one of them are going to take the cup winner's spot in the Europa League. So Fumalicão right now sit fifth on 53 points. Riwav one point back on 52. They will play at the same time on Saturday. Um, they will play before Benfica's sporting match. There's there's four matches Saturday. Um, I'll go through those shortly. In seventh place is Vitória Guimarães. They're just outside of Europe. They're going to finish even with a win. They have a they play Santa Clara in the final match this weekend. But even if they win, they the best they can do is 52 points and sixth place. Eighth place is Moreirense. Ninth place is Gil Vicente. And Santa Clara and, Bo- and Boa Vista are 10th and 11th. 12th is Maritimo. And then 13th is Passage Freire, now safe. 14th is Bolognese Saad, now safe. Petit does it again. He's making a living out of saving teams from relegation. 15th place is Tondela, not safe yet. They got 33 points. They need a point or a Portimonense. They need So they need a point or for Portimonense to not win on Sunday to guarantee their safety for another season and they are also they seem to be in this situation every year and every year they come through in the final two three weeks of the season and guarantee their safety I'll be rooting for Tondela no doubt uh, Vitoria Stubal right now are one point are safe they are one point clear of the drop uh, on 31 points Portimonense is 17th on 30 but as we know, they may very well win by forfeit in this final week of the season if Avsh cannot field the team, which would give them 33, which which is why Tondela and Stubal need points. So Tondela needs at least a point. Stubal needs a win to guarantee that they will not go down. In last place, as we know, is Avsh with 17 points. Let's go to the leaders quickly. So... In goal for goals, we do have Pizzi, top of the of the table now, eighteen goals. Carlos Vinicius and and Paulinho, right behind him with seventeen. Mary Taremi, a player that some of the newspapers say we're being rumored with the Iranian striker, is only um, is only two goals back from Pizzi. He's fourth with sixteen, so he could go off for a hat trick this weekend and still win the the silver ball himself. Fabio Abreu is fifth with thirteen. 
And after that, there's nobody in realistic chance of catching the guys at the front. Assists, Peasy is top with 13 assists. Uh, Tecatito Corona is second with 10. Otavio, that guy. Otavio is third with 9. Alex Telsch is fourth with 8. And then Bruno Tabata, Bruno Fernandes, Paulinho are all in fifth with seven. Yeah, Bruno Fernandes is still top five in assists in our league, and he's been gone since January. <laughs> Just goes to say uh, what, what the type of offense our league has been producing. And for anyone keeping track, Carlos Vinicius leads the minutes per goal. Uh, statistic he's top with a goal every 103 minutes. I'm hoping to see at least one from him this weekend. Anderson Silva from Licao has a goal every 110 minutes. He's got a realistic chance to catch him if he comes off the bench this weekend and scores a goal. All right, so that is the stats. Let's look at next week's matches really quickly. As my computer is slowing down, of course. Okay, here we go. Next week's matches. So, the round 34, the final round, will actually kick off on Friday, July the 24th, with Santa Clara hosting Vitoria Guimarães at the City of Football and Gil Vicente at home hosting Passos Ferreira. Saturday, the first two games will be played at 2 o'clock Eastern Time here in the United States, which is 11 a.m. Pacific Time, and it is it is 7 p.m. in Portugal. Okay, so... It will be Boa Vista hosting Riwav and Maritimu hosting. Oh, uh, Maritimu hosting Famalicão. So Famalicão have to travel all the way to Madeira Island to try to secure that Europa League berth that they have invested so much into. They are absolutely the story of the season. But like I said at the beginning of the show, I hope that they are the not, not the next Desportivo das Aves. You know, two or three years down the road. And then at 4.15 Eastern Time, 1.15 Pacific, and 9.15 Portuguese Time, Benfica hosts Sporting in the Derby at the Stadio de Luz, while Braga hosts Port at the Pedreira at the same time. Sunday, the relegation battle will, will happen. All these games will be at 2.30 Eastern Time here in the United States, so that's 7.30 in Portugal. Moreirense hosting Tondela, like we said, Tondela needs a point. To guarantee themselves. Portimonense hosting Avj in Algarve. Hopefully Avj make it there. Hopefully the expense of an away game is not enough. You know if I. I don't know how legal this is. But if I'm Stubal and I'm Tondela. I'm pooling that money together. To pay those players. And to, to send Avj to this match. That's probably not allowed. But it's not something that I'm sure hasn't happened before. And also. Vitoria Stubal at home at the Bonfi. Hosting. Bolognese Saad, a.k.a. Code City. And again, they need to win to guarantee their safety. Quick programming note. Um, some of you may have noticed that I have not had uh, another Mr. Portugal episode come out. I, I mentioned it on the Park in the Bus podcast last Sunday. Um, Footballia, a website that many of you, I think, are familiar with. Um has been taken down. Well, they took it down themselves. It's they are moving to a new a new website. They're moving to a new home, and thus um, 
right now uh, the classic games and the old matches are not available. Therefore, I cannot review Euro 84 without being able to watch the matches. And that is the only place where Portugal's matches are available in their entirety for me to review. So I am awaiting them to pop up at a new home. And I am awaiting that so that I can continue reliving Euro 84, um, Portugal's four matches anyway in Euro 84. So as soon as that is available, I will certainly be putting that, um, putting those podcasts together and back up. Also, um, again, don't forget, check out the PTB Soccer Network. All episodes on that channel are ad-free for the first 30 days that they are there. And you can count every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time here in the United States. It's the Parking the Bus podcast where I review everything that's gone down in the world of football from the previous week. This week, we got a good show. Um, I'm gonna have a. I'm actually gonna have a guest this week, and we're gonna talk about the EFL Championship that wrapped up today. Fantastic last day. We're gonna talk a little bit about MLS is back, and we're also gonna talk about the EFL playoffs coming up, and. The race for the for the golden boot in Italy is is heating up. You got two guys fighting it out there, both on thirty goals. Unlike our league, where where eighteen is considered a lot. Um, so be sure to check that out if you haven't yet. Go to uh, Instagram and follow at PTB Soccer. That is the home for all of my work. Minus Mr. Benfica, of course, um, which has its own home, as you know, at Mr. Benfica on Facebook or on Twitter at Miss, at Benfica Mister. And, of course, you can find everything at www.mrbenfica.com. That's it for Episode 70. Thank you for joining me. I'll be back again this weekend, possibly Monday at the latest, with uh, Episode 71 looking at the final game of the league season, the Derby against Sporting. All right. Never has a derby maybe had so little on the line, but you know what? It's still a derby, and we need to play well. It's our last dress rehearsal before the cup final, and I just hope Nelson Verissimo takes it as such and and tries to, tries to figure out the best way to win the cup final. All right. Thank you, everybody. I'll see you later. This has been Mr. Benfica. Signing off, it's the Mr. Mike Agustinu. Until next time.